Well, kia ora, everyone. Welcome along to this short little bonus episode where we have some excerpts of a conversation with Kyla Coben. The full interview is coming out next week. The reason for doing this is that I love the format of Seeds, which is a long-form podcast. Often the interviews will go for an hour. But that also means that it's a long-form podcast. Also, I've talked with a number of you who've said you'd like to have snack-sized versions of the podcast so that you could listen to them for like eight or ten minutes. So here you go. So what I've done here is just pulled out some of the key points that I really appreciated from what Kyla said. I hope this whets your appetite to listen in to the full interview, which will come out next Tuesday morning. So in this first extract, I was talking with Kyla about her childhood and the influence that her parents had had on her and her curiosity with the world. It sounds like they were curious people <laughs> and they were interested in the world and that's something that you then have inherited. Because I think when I look at what you're doing today, there's been a, a wide variety of things that you've been involved in. You know, we're, we're going to get into it, but, you know, with TEDx and um, BOMA and Singularity University and different things, it all sort of points back in my mind when I think of you, it's as somebody who's quite curious and, and wants to understand and wants to explain. And yeah, I think that kind of matches the, the background that you're describing. It's, it's absolutely true. I'm yeah. just relentlessly curious about people, about what's happening, about why we do what we do. And, mm. um, and also just, I've, I, I also just love how cool people are. We were talking about this the other day. What mm. was it? What, what came up? Oh, it was some random thing that people were really into. Um, and it reminded me of this guy I had met at an airport once. He was like a baggage handler, but he was really into robot battles. He would build robots to fight against other robots. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just this like constant reminder that there are like worlds upon worlds all around us. People who are like, we're, oh, it was um, Renaissance, like, like reenacting Renaissance times mm. that, you know, there's this whole community of people that... All they do is, re or medieval, re all they do is reenact medieval times. And, you know, they're just worlds upon worlds all around us. And it, I, I just feel like if you don't think that's interesting, you kind of have no soul. Like, how, yeah. can, how can you not find it fascinating that somebody wants to spend their, their, their life, you know, reliving what it was like 500 years ago? Or I don't know, I'm terrible at history. I don't know how long yeah. it was. Yeah, no, I get you, though. And my mother, she taught me one really key thing, um, which is that, everyone has some story yeah. and I the thing I love about this podcast because I'm interviewing different people every week and everybody has something that's interesting and what she said to me is if you don't think someone's interesting you haven't asked the right question yet yeah. because everybody's got that story yeah that's that's the kind of the sense that I get from you as well yeah and yeah. and when you think about from that perspective of everyone having their story it also ties to our ability, I think, to have compassion for each other. Mm. Um, one of my favorite quotes is um, from, uh, I think it's Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who said, if we knew the secret history of our enemies, we would find there enough sorrow and suffering to dispel all animosity. Mm. And I come back to that again and again, because I, f I, I genuinely believe everyone is doing the best they can, given the information they have available to them, which includes everything they've ever learned about the world and life and success and failure and strength and weakness and all those things, mm. as well as whatever information they happen to have in that moment. And so coming at it from that perspective of, you know, everybody has their story. And if you really understand their story, you might, you still might not agree with them because you have your own information and your own perspective, mm. but you can maybe find compassion or forgiveness for where someone else is coming from. Mm. Now, in this second extract from the interview, I asked Kyla about purpose. Can I come back to that bit that you were mentioning about, you know, finding your purpose or what it was that you wanted to do? Do you remember 
at that as a moment because I'm, I'm really curious about your bio. Mm -hmm. At the very end, I love this part, mm -hmm. and you know what I'm about to say. It says, her purpose in life is to be an uplifting presence. Mm. How did you come up with that? Was that tied in with that, that kind of moments? Or? Yeah, I don't remember when I came up with that, um, but I've been very attached to it for, for, since I came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and really where it comes from is that I'm very explicit about not wanting to, quote unquote, you can do air quotes, but you're listeners can't see them. Mm. Um, I'm very explicit about not wanting to help people. Uh, you know, who who is anyone to help anyone else? Um, and also, it's very kind of presumptuous to assume, I don't want to inspire people. I don't mm. want to like assume that anyone's going to interpret what I do in any particular way or do what I do in order to generate some kind of action for somebody else. Because mm. I'm very clear that we cannot control the behavior of a single other person on this planet. And so if we're measuring our success or failure by that, then we're, I think we're doing it wrong. Mm. That choice of wording is very intentional. And really where it's coming from is I want to live my life in such a way that I feel proud of who I am every day. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I can, you know, we, we run the Brene Brown Dare to Lead program. And mm -hmm. one of the things I say on that program all the time when we do the values section mm -hmm. is you know, when it all falls apart, when the marriage falls apart and your business crumbles and, you know, you're turfed out of your flat or, you know, when it, everything is like falling apart, if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I lived according to these two values, I behaved according to these two values, mm -hmm. will you be content with who you are and how you showed up? Mm -hmm. And that's really what's behind that. To be an uplifting presence is like, I want to be showing up to my fullest, to my best self, to become a better person, to to be proud of how I'm engaging with pe the people around me, with my loved ones, with the world around me. Mm. And not because I think it's going to help anybody or because anybody else is going to change, but because I want to be, I want to be modeling how I think it is best to be in the world. Mm. So it's an inner standard that you're reaching for, for yourself, rather Correct. than the outworking that likely will come, but it's more about who you are and what your value is. And, and, and really the purpose, you know, like if you're doing it for the outward thing, then already it's, you're going to be, find yourself on the back foot yeah. as opposed to, I want to behave with integrity because I think it's better to behave with integrity, not because then I'll get more customers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And in our final extract from the interview, we talked about the word vulnerability and what it means. Can we just talk about one word which comes up a lot in her work, and I'm mm -hmm. sure it comes up in the course, which is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious about that word, because when you look at, uh, you know, business books of the past few decades, if you go back a little while, they were mainly about how much wealth can you create? You know, how much money can you extract? How can we uh, optimize the systems? And, you know, and yet now I'm seeing a trend or, you know, there's definitely more openness to this idea of actually, we need to know who we are, we need to be vulnerable and, and talking with each other. Um, and that certainly comes through in the work that she's been doing. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So so the, the material that I trained in is the Dare to Lead curriculum, which is her work specifically as it applies to the organizational context. Mm -hmm. and, and it's basically material to train people on the four skill sets of courage. Because we have this, often we have this idea that cur that people are either courageous or they're not. Mm. They're either brave or they're not. And you don't know exactly what it is, but you know it when you see it. And it's something that can't really be taught. 
And what the research shows is that it's actually not that in any way, that courage is a collection of skill sets that are teachable, measurable, and observable, that they are, um, this, these skill sets are based on empirical research that, you know, when you look at someone being courageous, you can, you can draw a straight line to the four skill sets that, that, that we teach. Mm-hmm. And the first and most important one is uh, our ability to rumble with vulnerability, our ability to get comfortable being vulnerable. Mm. Um, The single most accurate measure of courage is our willingness to lean into vulnerability. It's probably useful to come back to the definition there because um, I know for a lot of people, we've got this myth that vulnerability is weakness, right? That, oh, I can't be vulnerable because then people will know that I'm weak. Um, But the actual definition of vulnerability is risk uncertainty and emotional exposure. I guess I would invite your listeners to do a little thought experiment, which is, you know, think of a time that you've seen someone doing something courageous. Could be somebody you know, somebody you don't know, something recent, something from a long time ago. Like, think of somebody doing something courageous. Mm -hmm. And then ask yourself, what role did vulnerability play in that moment? Mm -hmm. Was that person taking a risk? Were they facing uncertainty? Were they opening themselves up to emotional exposure? Mm. And what you realize very quickly is that you cannot have courage without vulnerability because without vulnerability, the thing you're doing doesn't require courage, Mm. that they're actually inseparable, inextricably linked. I hope you enjoyed those excerpts from my longer interview with Kyla. And be sure to watch out because that really is just a taste of the depth that we got to in our interview.